to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, I'm thrilled that you're joining us this week. So as you tune in weekly, I really do hope that you feel, you know, clearly my passion about sales, but I think more importantly, we have to change, we all have to change our sales game and get away from that push of sales versus playing the long game where we really build relationships. And that's really for me what the show is about. And my guests, I hope support you um, with that endeavor. Additionally, to help support you on changing your sales game. In the show notes, you will see my communication style assessment. You will get two reports, one spotlighting your natural communication superpowers, kind of important to see how your messaging and when you're communicating with other humans, how is your message landing? Flip side, you'll get a second report with your blind spot. To me, that could be more important because you're speaking with people that probably speak 100% different than you. And we really do need to understand how our messaging is landing for them so that we could connect, move sales forward, get promotions at work, whatever it might be for you. So again, that link is in the show notes. Now, my quote today is by Hendrith Vanlin, and he says, Vanlin Smith Jr., my apologies. And he says, if you want your business to be resilient, you got to improve cash flow and widen margins. Now, I love talking about money because it's fun. And it's also an important topic since it's the measure of, and I believe money is nothing more than a measure of an exchange of energy effort mm. where we're helping other clients get that ROI, right? And hopefully a very quick um, return. Mm -hmm. Now, bet most of us have a budget that we adhere to with our household household bills and hopefully cash flow. Well, as a business owner or CFO at an organization, the same principle of good money management, I think, is crucial to to that resilience and growth for any business. So who is my guest today where we're going to talk about money, cash flow, resilience, and business growth? His name is Matt Putra. Matt is the Chief Financial Officer, experienced in scaling, transforming, and financing small and medium-sized businesses. He makes sure you have the resources you need to achieve your mission, I think, in business, maybe even in life. So please help me welcome Matt to the show. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, really excited. This is an important conversation, Matt. Money. We got to talk it. about money, right? It's uh, it's the backbone of, and here's the thing, money shouldn't, well, let me rephrase that. Money doesn't motivate me personally. Sharing and growing <laughs> and helping businesses and salespeople and organizations thrive and be, build really dynamic sales culture, that's what gets my you know mojo going. And then money is a byproduct of that, right? It's that, again, that exchange of energy. So yeah. for my first question for you uh, as my guest is, tell us about your career journey to date and how you ended as, and you're a fractional CFO, correct? That's right. Yeah, that's right. How did you end up here? Yeah, I mean, it's been circuitous. Uh, you know, I started off at 19. I, you know, I thought I might be a doctor and realized I'm not going to hack it in school for, for so many years. Uh, and then I basically, I went to manufacturer and I swept floors for a few years and then, you know, sort of ended there at the end of 10 years. I was like an operations manager. Um, and then I just, you know, needed more, wanted more. Um, and then I switched basically into finance. I went to another small manufacturer. And I was helping them with their quality management program and their enterprise like kind of software and realized how much I could help if I knew about the numbers. So I took, I switched my degree to accounting. I was like 28 and had two kids already. And I started a, a degree in accounting and, um, 
basically through working full-time, doing school full-time, just saw the power of numbers and budgeting and analysis and reporting and ended up helping that um, employer. Uh, they grew a whole bunch. Their net profit grew by 20% year on year when I was there. Uh, gross margin grew 25% year on year when I was there. So uh, yeah, just realized the power of numbers. And then had a few more stops along the way. Uh, one of them was as a CFO of a private equity group and doing deals all across Canada, um, getting into the numbers, diligence, and and kind of making deals happen. And then, you know, what happened to a lot of us is COVID happened and changed life a little bit and helped me see things a bit more clearly. And so mm-hmm. realized I did not want to keep doing the corporate thing. And so started my career as a fractional at that point. And it's been now three, almost four years as a fractional CFO. And this is, this is what I love. I'll do it forever. And when I don't need money anymore, I'll still do it just less of it. Isn't that funny? I say the same thing. My husband laughs because I go, yeah, stop working as long as it's fun. And my clients are fun because I really, the client value driven, right? My clients and I, if our values match, that's who I want to come and play with, right? And Mm -hmm. really help them make a difference. If the client is too much work where our values don't align, -hmm. align, you know, I I walk away because there, there has to be a balance in life. So I do agree. And the other thing you said is COVID. I think a lot of us pivoted and I think a lot of us became super clear on yes. what we were willing to do, yes. what we were willing to not negotiate anymore with our time and our life and family and all those things. Real interesting, I think, the the mind shift um, that happened with COVID. So that's another whole topic yeah. for another day, but fascinating <laughs> nonetheless, right? Definitely. Well, I mean, I was I missed dinners at home for two years because I was commuting to my downtown, which was I was commuting three hours a day. And and in hindsight, yeah, I think it was worth it because I'm here today and with a great life. And um, But I just didn't want to keep missing all that time with the kids. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's a journey and mm-hmm. we needed to do those things to yes. get to the point where we're doing the things we're doing now. So 100%. working for those companies, finding the numbers, how to look at the numbers, what the reporting looks like in your case for the organization, mm-hmm. you needed that. Otherwise you wouldn't have been able to open a business and exactly. rinse and repeat what you've created there. Now you can do it bigger and better. And when I say bigger and better, you could just impact more organizations than just that solo yes. one that you worked for, which is really kind of powerful. And I think cool as a business owner, right? It's been, it's been really wonderful and really rewarding. And like you say, you get to meet just people you vibe with from all around the world. And I think that's been one of the greatest uh, parts of this is meeting some wonderful people from everywhere and helping them. Like it's a, you know, I'm sure a lot of us on this that are listening and, and probably you and I both have been in those places where the business is not doing great and it's stressful and cash is a problem, <clears throat> but to guide people out of a situation like that and see sort of the stress begin to fall off their shoulders and to enjoy running the business again. That's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. yeah it's powerful. And it's funny because, you know, I have a finance degree, I have an MBA in finance. I love numbers, right? Forget about the money. Yeah, piece. I for just sure. love numbers. I see numbers. And I think that we can manipulate numbers. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, right? To <laughs> support our narrative. <laughs> but if we really can look at the factual information that numbers provide, it provides cl- clarity for us, I think, of mm-hmm. where are we spending? 
our money and our time, right? That we can perhaps be a little bit more strategic so that the return on investment happens faster time-wise, but also exponentially more from a financial standpoint, as long as we know how to look at those numbers and what they represent and then what action to take from there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, for sure. Are there any stories or client stories that you like are standing out for you um, for turning points in either your career or with potentially with clients where it was like mind blowing. Yeah. I caught the bug uh, on my very first client as a fractional CFO, Um, just a small business kind of local to me doing some e-commerce. They were doing, I don't know, low seven figures a year in sales. Nice. And so they said, Hey, we need help with planning. We're just kind of flying blind. And I said, great. And that's what I do. So built them a budget, built them a kind of um, five-year uh, financial statement model, income statement, cash flow balance sheet month by month. And after I built it, I realized there was going to be a major cash issue in about 10, 11 months. And so I said, Hey guys, look, in 10, 11 months, you're going to need 200 grand um, to solve for the inventory purchase that was going to be impending. And we went out and found the 200 grand nine months in advance. So then the next nine months were not stressful. Um, they could, they could look at where they were going. They knew they had the resources and they knew they could operate the way they were heading and everything would be fine. And for me, that was, that's when I caught the bug. Um, cause I could see that like, oh, we understand how to manage the future and we understand how to kind of adjust for things and, and plan for things and pre-plan. And then the banks, of course, love it when you go to them nine months in advance saying, Hey, we don't need money today. We definitely don't need money, but nine months from now, we're going to want money for this, this, and this. And the banks think you look like a genius when you do that. And so all those things combined, um, that's when I caught the bug for this work. I just really enjoyed it. It was so rewarding. And there's been lots of stories since then. I mean, there's a client where um, this was even just a year ago. I walked in the door in the first two weeks, I created 300 grand in profit for them just with wow. optimizing a couple of their reporting slash planning systems. Um, there's been a client, another really great one where they came to me after two years in multi six figure losses. And I've now they're going to be making multi six figure profit this year, gross margins up by from like, 50 to 70 percent and 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 they've done a lot of things that they didn't need me for in that gross margin process um but helping them stick handle those losses and the debts and the payments and all these things and now to see where they are they are enjoying the business they are planning for a future eight-figure exit they are engaging anyway with this m&a group and so i'm just helping them still i'll help them all the way to their exit and then right off into the sunset, um, feeling great about it. And so that's been like, just what, like, that is why I do this. I just love that. It's so cool because here's the thing as a business owner, we're good at what we're good at, which mm-hmm. is whatever our business is in mm-hmm. my case, right? It's teaching, training and coaching sales and helping organizations build those dynamic sales culture. Yeah. So the client, right? The ripple effect is that the client chooses you to do business in whatever your industry. And so, right. That's my zone of genius that, I mean, obviously I have a finance degree, but if I didn't have that finance degree, 
would I understand numbers beyond mm-hmm. what my accountant does for me right at the end of the year and you do the tax returns and the write-offs and all of those pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle. So this is so important because I think mm-hmm. if we don't have a plan, right, what's that quote? We, we don't plan to fail. We fail to plan. That's right. And that's exactly what the situation where you help people plan so that we don't have those pitfalls. We don't have, listen, life is life, COVID, right? How many businesses went under because of that. But what if we had a plan in place to mitigate when something really exponentially tragic comes into play, but you have a plan to navigate that um, you might be the, the answer to that prayer, right? I am. I am for a lot of businesses and in a lot of cases, and it's not for everybody. Um, There's a, there's a level of discipline and a level of, you know, there's been a, a client recently where we realized we're not a great fit and they, um, without giving away too much, they were in a tough spot. And I said, great, there's a bunch of ways we can do this. So you're going to cut this and cut that and cut that and stop this and stop. And they're like, I don't want to do any of that. And we've parted ways just because there there was a certain level of willingness to, to make drastic decisions to, to save the business. And they didn't vibe with the way I thought about it. And that's okay. Um, But I have another client who they, when they were in a tough spot, they fired their, their two brothers they kicked out two co-founders. They, and this was when, I mean, they had three to six months of cash runway and I just said, Hey, I think there might be a problem. So they, you know, there's, um, the varying levels of, of, of how people fit with a service provider and I'm not for everybody, but you know, I've helped people stick out a lot of some jams. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, Matt, the reality is that every business, we should not take every piece of business that comes no. our way. If it's not That's a right. fit, it's not a fit. I had a recent situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. A good friend of mine, we've been, gosh, she was probably one of my first clients uh, almost 22 years ago. And you know, you meet someone that's like, you get me, I get you. We are mm-hmm. a match made in heaven. Fast forward, she ended up going into a very big bank. So they didn't need me because they have their own internal stuff. She and I kept in contact and now she's retired, but she's working for several. She works on several boards because she's like, Con, I can't I can't retire. I got to mm-hmm. give back. Right. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. she's able to give back more, which is just fabulous. And so she has an executive director that needed help. And I said, you know, it's in the nonprofit space, not yeah. my zone of genius. Yeah, totally. I feel, I feel bad. Help. Could I probably could somebody do a better job? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had a friend, a colleague in my network that I was able to hands off and, and do the sharing. So every business piece of business, even though there's a dollar to it, right? Because we love making money, but it has to be good money. I have to be able yes. to really, really exponentially yes. help that person. It sounds philosophically, 100%. you feel the same way. Yeah, I love oh, it. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, again, it went, without that fit, there's just, there's more tension than there needs to be. And there's just a whole bunch of reasons, you know, I mean, I, we you know them all and probably a bunch of your listeners do too. It's just... Yeah. Do you want to wake up every morning and, and hang out with that person and, and work with them? And if not, you know, it's best for both of you sometimes that you don't. Yeah, for sure. And, and we're, again, we're not a fit for everybody. I agree no, with that course. 100%. And oh, by the way, there's a ton of business to go around that you Lots. can walk away from those mis mishaps or those misfits um, for your own personal yes. business of what you're growing. So I love it. Now, as a CFO, right, because that's mm-hmm. kind of your your mind mindset, what mm-hmm. is keeping you up at night and what you're seeing with the economy or your business? Yeah. What's the trajectory here? The big thing keeping me up at night these days is how slow all the banks are moving when you ask them for money. 
and and I'm talking to businesses that are profitable, businesses that are have a great path and maybe even patents and 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 solid management systems. And so people that should get money, banks are still taking forever. Um you do find like those um niche lenders are, are still moving quickly, but the rates can be high. But like typical banks are, are moving so slow. And so when a, a business is doing well and they have prospects and they want to take advantage of some opportunities it's still taking a long time for them to get the money they need to take advantage. And and I'm not even talking about being super risky, but that's, that's a really big one for me right now. A very, very tough thing to navigate is, is getting banks to move quickly. Um, that's the biggest one. The, the second one I would say is just the uncertainty and where the economy is going to go. You know, it's, uh, I'm relied upon a lot of cases to advise on, should I take that? Should I invest in this project that doesn't have a for sure payoff and, and in times like these, um, when you don't know what the economy is going to do, when you don't know where consumer sentiment is going to go, those are tough times to make calls where the ROI is unclear or, you know, maybe not as strong as you'd want. It's still, it would be a good decision in a good time, but in a tough time, you know, you don't want to be too conservative because then you stop growing and you miss out on opportunities, but then you also don't want to put money into something that didn't work. And now you didn't have that money when you need it when the, and there's a downturn. So that those are the two big ones, just the level of uncertainty is, is causing. And this is, and what I just said is why exactly why the banks are taking so long. They're like, well, it's not a for sure bet. If this person had 12 months runway in the bank, we'd give them money because they didn't even need it. But this is why the banks are moving slowly is because there's all the uncertainty. So I would say that's the biggest one for me. Biggest two things is is banks and just the uncertainty. You know, and it's interesting because <laughs> life is uncertain. <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. The economy is always, we really don't know what the economy is going to be a year from now. I mean, none of us, even, you know, when this, when we were in the, the bull market, it, mm-hmm. it, it didn't matter um, because that could have turned at any time. Right. So the uncertainty, I think, is always there. Here's the thing with the banks, because most of my clients are banks and credit unions. Mm-hmm. And there there's a, a ratio, NIM, NIM ratio, but it, it doesn't matter. It it's It measures the spread. And what's happening is. You have these deposits sitting there and they mm-hmm. had been lending at these very, very low rates. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. the deposits, they have to give more money, but they still right. have those loans at that lower rate. So their spreads are so thin. Oh, their I margins see. are so thin right. that it's really hard because then they have reserves and other requirements yes. from a regulatory standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they have to be very discerning on where they lend the money, mm-hmm. what the rate is, especially because if rates on the deposit side, CDs, whatever it is, yeah. um, goes up, then and and they they, they could be left holding the bag with the loan. So that's why I think there's there has to be a little bit of stabilization for the banks. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. So they need all those old ones to roll over on the new rates. Oh shit, that's super interesting. Thank yes. you. Yes. And then you have the reserves. So you can't lend out more than the deposit. Yeah. And now their margins are getting shrunken. So there's a hmm. lot going on in the banking world that and then, of course, you have the bank failures. So now yes, all these that, banks yeah. are regrouping, thinking, whoa, we better look at our risk management. What is our internal portfolio of investments yeah. potentially? Are we diversified hmm. enough with the type of business? So they might not be doing loans because it might not fit into um, their profitability model at this time. So there's a lot going on. But I just laughed because the the second piece of it, though, the uncertainty, there's always uncertainty. 
So yes. that one, I think we have to, and, and this is what I always, what I, my, I live my life, but also share with my clients. We can only make a decision on what we know right here, right now. And you have to make the best educated decision you can. Mm-hmm. So you got to do your research. You got to make sure you're informed and not just shoot from the hips. Mm-hmm. But on the same token, if it's a misstep, I feel like sometimes we're in motion that it's easier to shift gears and say, well, that didn't work. Let's shift our strategy because you did all of that legwork. Mm-hmm. It's easier to see other potential avenues that might be better suited. But when mm-hmm. we're in stagnant mode, fear mode, and we're not looking, saying, hmm, what should right don't fail fail to plan yeah, yeah again, totally. it goes back to, it goes back to that all the time so i think that's a piece of the puzzle um as well that we have to, it, uncertain times are uncertain times yeah. do your research and try to make that yep. educated guess and the other yep. thing that you said i think is so important for any business right is to go to those banks for those lines of credits or whatever personally and or from a business frame of reference mm-hmm. so that you have it god forbid you need it that you're not begging for that money because then they're not going to lend yes. you because you're not in a financially strong position. Totally. So planning, it, you know, again, this is what you do as a CFO. Your yes. job is to plan, mitigate risk, improve cash flows, margins, yes. all the things we're 100%. talking about. Right? Yeah. So, can, can I ask you what, what would be keeping you up at night? Um, because we're, I mean, you have a, you're a finance person just like I am. So what, what are you thinking about? You're going to laugh. <laughs> It's okay, no. Because I'm 62, and I'm going to be 62 actually. But um, I would I, never have guessed. But thank okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Anybody on on YouTube, I would love that compliment. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'll pay you later, kiddo. But but I would like at some point to sell the business because I have mm. so much that I built in 22 years, and there's so much yes. value in it to make sure that I'm positioning myself, not Mm. only financially for me from a cash out perspective, but I want to make sure that whoever buys it, that they get more Mm. than, because I over deliver, I don't under deliver. So I never want someone to spend money or give me money and think, oh, that's not what I thought. Mm. So I just, I'm planning mode because it's a while out, right? I have a pretty good runway here, but I need to plan what Mm. that looks like so I can build that infrastructure properly that will translate for somebody else to kind of step in and take over. So it keeps me up at night because I don't know what I don't know. So again, plan people, plan, right? Do that research. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Completely. And there's nothing, nothing to laugh about there at all. I mean, you know, again, uh, my hope is for an exit someday too. So uh yeah anyway yeah no that's that's great maybe i need to talk to you to help me with my exit strategy there are well there are people that can that will come in you know years ahead of an exit and and help kind of figure out i mean there's a number of things that process org chart uh, you know documentation all that shit but there are people that specifically do that and i know some so we could connect after and i could give you some names yeah yeah yeah. because again i don't know what i don't know and everybody listening as you know matt and i are having these we just went off topic a little bit (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) well people should get to know me too and and what am i thinking right and that helps them get to know me trust me love Mm -hmm. me i hope by me being authentic and answering your questions so i think that's important too but i i do think everybody listening Here's the essence of what we're really, I think the core is we have to have a plan. And especially when it comes to money. And if you're an executive in a position, you have budgets that you have to adhere to. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be mindful of what the money is telling us and what those reports are telling us. What What do you see, Matt, as the top three, let's say, mistakes 
that um, e-commerce brands making with cash flow, finance, money? What are the three big ones that you see? Yeah, the the number one biggest one I would say is uh, fixed costs. So adding fixed costs like salaries, like rent, like you know all those things. Um, I would say adding those too early is probably the number one reason I see people end up struggling is just because they, you know, you know, it, it, it's probably happened to you. You have a great year or two years, and you're like, oh shit, this is awesome. Let's let's staff up and so that I can chill. And then the third year is a, is a tougher one, but now you're stuck with a bunch of costs that you're, um, so then the second one is not willing to change fast enough. Mm-hmm. So adding too much and then being slow to change, uh, are, are where I see people getting into a pinch. And honestly, even as I grow my business, I'm still very wary of adding too much and getting in a pinch. So right now <clears throat> I'm actually working on adding a couple people to the team, um, some management consultants and a salesperson actually, and I'm like, look, you know, I'm, I'm checking my budgets and checking my plans and checking, you know, leads and going, okay, well, you know, if we get into a pinch point, how soon can I scale, pull things back in certain areas? And so I would say, yeah, one and two are adding too much fixed costs too early. And the second one is not cutting costs earlier than you need. And then the third, I would say in terms of cash flow, um, the third one I would say is, is, um, is the planning side, uh, you know, not everybody can build a three statement financial model, but not everybody needs to, you know, um, what, what I would suggest to people that, that aren't technical is, is grab your profit and loss report from QuickBooks or zero and get one that's 12 months and then delete the total column and then just make your plans to the right of those 12 months very simply. And then, you know, drag the formulas over. So that your things total up, add your expenses, add your salaries, add this and that, and then see what your profit looks like. And so for me, when I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to add this person or that person. So October, I'm adding uh, probably five to 10 K in, in salaries. And what happens to my profit and how long does it take to recover from the initial dip in profit? And what do I need to close in business to cover that dip in profit? And so even on a very simple level, planning is accessible. And there are tools that you can use. A Fathom is one, Float is one, and they help this this process. But at its core, just print the P and L, and then throw numbers down to the right when when your date range ends. And your date range ends, and that's a good start, right? Like even doing that when when someone is just doing that very simple amount of planning, just opening the numbers, thinking through what's coming, watching the profit row change that is often enough to get people to change behavior because they're just you don't get hit with profit numbers if you don't look at them and if you don't get hit with them you don't change you don't like you don't align yourself to it right so i would say yeah you can't change quick enough and then you can't change quick enough yeah because you don't even know what's going on the other thing that's important as you're saying you're adding people on and as you look at that plan Mm -hmm. what does the sales cycle look like Yep. So if it you're to bring on a new client that's going to compensate for the extra cost, yes. take six months, you have to anticipate that with yeah. money in the bank or whatever it is totally. you have. So you have to look at all of the moving parts of the new components of what you're adding to mm-hmm. the business as well. Yeah. It, you know, being a business owner is not for the faint of heart because there's a lot going on. <laughs> we got to do a lot of things, right? So when we can bring in the correct resources, and for me, if we could save money or make money by using, mm-hmm. let's say, a resource like a, a fractional CFO, 
that piece is missing, not my zone of genius. And I bring you in and it's mm-hmm. cost effective, but mm-hmm. I can make money on the back end because you're helping me save on some of my fixed costs, but also catapult potentially the new earnings, right? That I, how I allocate money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that could be really important. So again, we spend money on the shiny new stuff. Yeah. You know, money might not be sexy, you know, profit and loss might not be sexy, Certainly isn't. but <laughs> let me tell you, it could be sexy um, when you're making, you know, making extra money and you're able yep. to take a nice trip to a sexy resort. Right. So it's all exactly. relative in the, in the mindscape here. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask, mm-hmm. talk, let's talk about cash flow briefly. What sure. are some of the key things, one, two, three things, whatever it is that, owners can do to improve the cash flow? Because I think that's an important piece of the, I can't yeah. spend if I don't have the cash coming in. That's right. So, okay. So we talked about not willing, unwillingness to, to change. And we actually yeah. mentioned a couple of clients and how they did things. And so that's, that's number one, just be willing to change, be willing to adjust to what you're seeing in real time. So don't, 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 don't wait to see how things shake out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if something's not working, you need to make a decision and, and do mm-hmm. something. The second thing, a really, really important one is a concept that a good friend of mine taught me called nibbles. What he means by this is that very small actions add up to very large outcomes applied over time. And this guy, his name is Kevin, um, and uh, he's the owner of Keep Nature Wild or whatever. And, and uh, he taught me this, and I've used it ever since. And so when you go to a supplier, um, don't ask for an extra 30 days to pay. Ask for an extra two days to pay. And when you have a customer that wants to pay you, if you give them terms, don't ask them to pay 15 days earlier, ask them to pay five days earlier, or give them a very small discount to pay just a little bit earlier. When you're looking at cutting costs in your business, don't look for 20 grand a month, look for the 500s, the 1000s. And those things applied systematically over time will add up to shit tons of extra money. And I modeled this for a client that I had. They were doing about $8 million a year in, in revenue. And we were going to pay suppliers two days later, collect invoices uh, one or two days earlier. We were going to lose 1% of our fixed costs. We were going to save 1% on our gross margin. That ended up being 200000 extra cash at the end of that year for them. Very small changes applied over time systematically will be huge fucking outcomes, pardon my French. Um, and I think people don't realize it. And so when you're, when you're worried about something, open the PL, cut, cut something small that you don't need, then do it again next week and just get that discipline, get those reps in and you'll find it. It's so interesting. I don't know if you've read the book, Atomic Habits, uh, James no. Clear. It's um, you got to read about it. it, of course. Yeah. He's, he was on my show um, oh, when the book first amazing. came out. Yeah. What a, a lovely man. Let me intense, smart, just a good, he's a good guy. But anyway, everybody, I, when I, I train my, my, um, uh, clients, especially the uh, executive teams, I tell them you have to read this book yeah. because we think we have to make giant steps or we're asking yeah. people to change their behavior and go from A to D. Can we, can we just go from A to A plus? Totally. And when you'd keep doing that though, and that becomes part of the coaching process, whatever mm-hmm. internally you create exponential growth on the back end. And oh, by the way, the employee doesn't even realize that systematic change 
and how how much they've grown because they were little baby steps versus yeah. putting all this pressure of yeah. changing this, you know, this great thing at the end. You ask them to do one and they're like, yeah, I'll do that. No big deal. And then two weeks later, and do that. No big deal. And you keep doing that. And all of a sudden, a year later, you have new salespeople, you have new, you know, um, operations people, whatever it is that department that you run or business that you run. So it's, it's really yeah. fascinating. Good yeah. book for you to read. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Last you question. It. We, we literally have just a minute or two. No um, what what are some of the challenges or misconceptions that business owners have about hiring that fractional CFO and yeah. why it's really important that they understand this so that they could see if, if mm. not you, do they need a fractional CFO? Right. Right. Um, yeah. Good point. Um, I, I think, you know, compared to the early days when I first started, people didn't even know what we did as fractional CFOs. I would say the knowledge on that is exponentially increased. So it's made selling honestly a little bit harder, but also a bit easier because they know what we do, but they've now they're talking to two or three of us at a time, right? Mm. The misconceptions primarily are what you can expect. I think um, as a fractional CFO, you know, we're not really going to be, we're not going to be paying bills for you. We're not going to be, you know, checking your bank balances every week or every day. We're going to support you in all those decisions. We'll help you with processes. Um, but one of the things is just, I'd say, expectations management. You know, we're, we're fractional. We we can never know everything's going on in your business. Um, that said, incredible ROI, right? But, but you know, when we, we, you know, sometimes you'll get asked the same question once or twice. You'll, you may not have a fulsome update if a banker asks for it. You might need to check in with the CEO or the founder, and that's just because most of us have at least, you know, three clients. Some of us have more and we can't keep it all in our heads, but can we help you have a great outcome? Yeah, we sure can. And then another one. Oh, this is an important one to talk about is that um, everybody and their dog is becoming a fractional CFO. And what I mean by that is you have bookkeepers that are calling themselves fractional CFOs. You have, um, uh, like accountants, public practice accountants that are calling them fractional CFOs. And, and both of those types of people can be incredibly helpful for you at certain stages in your business. So I don't want to disparage anybody. Absolutely. But the fractional CFO that was appointed by a board as a CFO in their career and is now doing fractionally, those are people that uh, strap planning, uh, risk management, those are people that can really, when you're in a tough spot or when you want to want to grow really fast, those are the people you want on the team. Um, the CPAs and bookkeepers, if, if your business is in a, you know, it's going fine and, and you need some help, they'll be for sure 100% helpful. Yeah. And some public practice CPAs can do both. But what I find is the, the risk appetite differs. Um, you know, as a public practice CPA, you have the, you're part of the membership body and all these things. And so you have to be careful and, you know, anyway, but, um, I would just say if you're, if you want to make big moves, you want to find a CFO that was in industry in the driver's seat of a finance department. Um, and if you just need a bit of help, you can find a bookkeeper, a CPA, no problem. You know, and it's funny. I see this all the time. Um, people are in corporate and they have mm -hmm. a sales job, right? And they, mm -hmm. they were good at sales. They never mm -hmm. managed. They never led. They were the, right. just a salesperson. And now that I meet them in networking. They go, yes, I'm, I'm really good at sales training and, so I mm. said, how long have you been doing? Oh, six months. But I, I was, you know, I was in sales for right. five years and I, I cringe. And, and again, there's not go for it, man. Like live, do you, I'm mm -hmm. not saying don't do you, 
be careful with the expectation that you're putting yeah. out there because you're not going to be able to help organizations mm-hmm. if you've never led a team before mm-hmm. you're still learning leadership skills early on yes. in your business so yes. we have to be really careful who are we hiring but here's the thing that might be perfect for that small business owner who just exactly. tweak their own personal skills and can learn yes. from that person and say oh yeah i could duplicate that that makes sense to yes. me be careful about going into a corporate client, you know, especially a multi-billion dollar corporate client and saying, hey, let's create the culture and let's put that infrastructure behind it. And oh, by the 100%. way, we could teach your people to, you know, move the needle a- as well. So just, yeah, I get, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think there's the time when I was new, remember 22 years ago, but here's the difference. I was in sales for 20 years. Yeah. I had led thousand people on my team right for 10 years right so not only did i have my own personal success but my regional success was yeah. you know it, it's it's um the credentials right well so- and and to that point i mean no one should choose me to be a fractional cfo of a public company i've never done that i don't want to do it and i, I would be honest and say that that's not my skill set that's right but for a, a private company between 10 and 80 million a year. I'm fucking gold, yeah. but not for a public company. I will not yeah. do well. So don't yeah. hire me for that. Yeah. See, again, you got, and, and I think as long as people know their boundaries and for the listeners, know what questions to ask, because I think that's like, what do you really, what are you, yeah. what's your end game? What are you trying yes. to achieve? And is this person that you're speaking with fractional CFO, are they a good fit? And, and mm-hmm. is that even the objective? Do you need a fractional CFO or do you need your CPA or do you exactly. need your bookkeeper? Yeah. Know where you're coming in so you can ask the right question or know what questions to ask, I think mm-hmm. is important. So I we're out of time, but um, everyone, please, please, um, Matt share is going to share his email. I'll put all of this in the show notes, but reach out to Matt, Matt at sure. 8x, the letter right. x.co website, right. Matt, uh, I'm sorry, 8x.co. And you do have a free gift, which I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It's quite lengthy, yes. um, but it says the sales game at the end. So you know it's me. Uh, but can you tell everybody what they get with that link? Yes. So with that link, um, it's going to be very helpful for people that own a business, especially if you're in e-commerce. Um, we have a growth plan sort of thing that we do. Only certain people qualify. If you qualify, you'll get it. And what it is, is it, we do a, a financial model, like a short form one, but it is five years. income statement, cash flows, all the things. We give you recommendations on profit, how to improve your valuation, uh, how to manage your SKUs. We recommend some service providers. We do a whole bunch of work for you. And we've done this for a few people and it's awesome. If you don't qualify, and I apologize if you don't, there are a bunch of free tools that will automatically get sent to you. So there's things like managing marketing spend and how to improve net profit and how to calculate loan APRs. There's a number of things that will get sent to you. Um, so either one of the things you'll receive and if, if not both. And and I love that, Matt. Thank you because... People might be listening going, I don't know if I need him. Well, then do this quiz, do this Mm, little assessment that he provides. And then either honest, he'll say, nope, you don't qualify. But here are some really cool things that I think Mm -hmm. will help you. Mm -hmm. Or "Mm, maybe we should have a call. I think this could be a good fit. So, again, no pressure. If it's not a right fit, it's just not a right fit. right? We don't want to push that square peg in the round hole. So um, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for still rewarding people for taking action. Of course. Even if they're not a good fit, we have these beautiful resources that could still help them. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. No problem. 
And thank you for being on the show. This um, was so nice. Thank you. Yeah, for it was me. lovely. Lovely conversation. I like talking about money. You can see that, right? Of course. I like talking about money strategically. That yes. makes me even more excited. So thank you for sharing your zone of genius and, and letting people know that having a plan really can make a difference. And the other thing that landed for me was those that your friend, Kevin James clear with, with atomic habits, yeah. those little microscopic changes. Yep. Pay attention to them because they really can be exponential with your end game, whatever that is. So um, thank you for that as a reminder. I think that's real important as well. No problem. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> lovely meeting you, kiddo. Really lovely meeting. So good to meet you too. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together, no matter where you are on changing your sales game. I truly hope my guests and I provide some really good information that you can then take because information is a beautiful thing. But if you, at the end of the show, you do nothing with it, what did you, you learn something, put it into action, man, oh man, I tell you, that's where the reaction and the magic happens. And hopefully putting some of these tips and ideas that Matt shared as a business owner can save you money, save you time, and hopefully make you more profitable on the back end and doing it with a little bit of ease and grace, which to me is, is a lovely way to live your life. So Matt, thank you again uh, for joining me. Really a pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in. You've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, try to put one or two of the tips that Matt shared. Put it into practice. See what magic happens for you. Um, I promise you, there's always magic on the back end. Just don't plan don't plan to fail, right? We fail to plan, not plan to fail. So live your life with a, with a plan in place. And I trust me. Everything becomes easier, money becomes easier, and life just becomes a heck of a lot more fun. So thank you for trusting me every week by tuning in. I truly am honored to have you on this journey of change and changing your sales game with you. Um, I love you all. I will see you next week and have a great one. And thanks again, Matt. Have a, thank have a good one, everybody. Bye, Bye, everybody. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.